Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. And when he was going forth into the way, there came one running and kneeling to him and asked him, Good Master, that's Jesus Christ, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross, and follow me. He was sat at that saying, and literally grieved for his great possessions. And Jesus looked around, uh, looked round about, rather, and said unto the disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again, and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. A few more verses. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. They shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses of brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last. And the last first. Let's pray. God, help me to bring some truthful thoughts to your saints this morning. Help me be able to do that. Help me to stay in your word. Give application that's practical, helpful, so that we can all be better for it. Lord, we do desire to be edified. We ask your Holy Spirit to be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look uh, at verse number 20, as our first verse we're going to dive into, it, it says, and he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. This is a young man. And you know, at the beginning of your youth, especially as a young adult, you see all of life's possibilities ahead of you. Go back to Ecclesiastes 11. I'd like to look there. And also Proverbs, right before Ecclesiastes, we'll get Proverbs 8, and we'll get Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. Let's do Ecclesiastes 11 first, and let's look at verse number 9. The Bible says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth 
and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. That's a pretty powerful verse. Look at verse number one of the next chapter. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. And it goes on. It's a blessing to be able to grow up as a young person in a Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church. Some of you may not have had that opportunity. If you do, you can look back in hindsight and say, wow, there was a lot of protection there. There was a lot of blessing there. There was a lot of benefits to that. But growing up religious doesn't save you. And many people, many young people, need to be reeled in a bit and reminded that just because mom and dad are Christians, that doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just because mom and dad bring you to church, that doesn't bring you into the kingdom of God. <laughs> and so there, there needs to be this reminder balanced out with this thankfulness that, well, we've got young people that are coming. We got young people that are happy to be here and, and all of that. We don't want to be like this rich young man that was pretty religious and was a pretty good citizen. Look at Proverbs 8 and the 17th verse. The Bible says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. We should, we should pray, we should guide, we should teach, we should desire that the young people here in our small local assembly would seek God at a young age. You save yourself a lot of trouble. Yes, we're all sinners, but it's a lot better to have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years of sin and come to Christ than it is to have a decade or two decades or three decades or five decades and you've lived your whole life and now you have all of the consequences of those sins that don't go away after you get saved but praise God you're saved and and that's a blessing we preach the gospel to all age groups all I'm saying is that yes young people need to know that being religious and coming to church and doing all of these activities so to speak don't save them but they also need to be they also need to be prodded a bit seek god near you trust god at an early age seek him and serve thy creator at a young age that my friends is the future of the church the body of christ and i would submit to you more importantly and specifically concerning us as a local assembly, that's the future of Pilgrim, is the young people. So we need to pray for them and help them seek God at a young age. We're not going to help them by avoiding. We're not going to help them by complaining about. We're only going to help them by action.
getting in there, investing time into them. Maybe it's a fist pump. Maybe it's a high five. Maybe it's a, hey, good job on your scripture memory. Maybe it's something more than that as you, as you get to know them and spend more time at fellowships and outreaches. But they need to know, the young people need to know that we care about them and love them. Look at this 22nd verse of Mark chapter 10. He, uh, it says at the end of the verse, for he had great possessions. This man was rich. And I would submit to you this morning that you're like me. You're rich. Because when I look at countries like Ethiopia, or Afghanistan, or Iran, or Iraq, or India, or some of these other countries. And then I look at my life, and I look at the material possessions that I have. I'm rich. And I would submit to you that you're in the same boat as me. We're rich. <laughs> We've got some great possessions. Well, what are they? We have flooring. That isn't dirt. That's pretty good. We have plumbing that's actually indoors. That's also a, a, a very rich blessing. But I would also submit to you, and I would submit to myself, we need to be careful that we have great possessions. And that great, but that great possessions don't have us. And that's a difference. Because I really believe that we all have great possessions. And we just spoke about just a few of them. We tend to take for granted because we expect the salesman to give us a car with air conditioning. And we would be offended if he brought out something ever so less. And then you walk, and then you hear of missionaries. That are out in the bush in Papua New Guinea that have children and families walking to church on a dirt road and only half the family has shoes. And we're offended if we had to wait 30 minutes instead of 10 minutes for our hot meal prepared by a servant at a restaurant because we're hungry. I'm asking myself the same question. Do we have great possessions or do great possessions have us? And there's a difference. And God helping me because I need his help. I want. I want. God to be first place in my life. That's what my desire is. And then Monday. Is, and there's a problem. And I'm upset because, well. God, it's me. Don't you understand that it's me, God? Why should I have to sit in traffic? And there goes the horn, and there goes the... I want to have great possessions. And we do. I just don't want those great possessions to have me. I'll go over to First Timothy chapter 6. We'll tie up some thoughts there. On possessions. Keep your finger in Mark 10. First Timothy. 
First Timothy chapter six. You're all very familiar with this chapter. Uh, we get down to we get down to chapter uh, chapter six. We get down to verse seventeen. Charge them that are rich in this world. We've already gone over that. That's us. When we compare ourselves to other countries, at least that's us. That they be not high minded nor trust in uncertain riches, and that ties into. Do these great possessions have you? If they do, then your trust is in uncertain riches because your material possessions, the money that you have, if they have you, that's where your trust is in. And if that's the case, you need to repent. That's the case for me. I need to repent. Nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Where's your trust? Look at verse number nine, the same chapter. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. If what you have causes you to fall into a temptation, get rid of it. I heard of a preacher one time that got rid of his computer. Because it was causing, or he didn't want to have it cause him to go down a road that he didn't think he could handle. He got rid of it. Am I telling you to get rid of your computer? No, I'm telling you, if you have a computer or any possession that you have, if it causes you a temptation and a snare, it's better to get rid of it. And in the many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition, and you're drowning in all of your material possessions. And your trust has become so misplaced. And that's why it says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. O thou, O man of God, flee these things. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. This man was young. This man was rich. Go back to Mark chapter number 10. We're also going to see something we touched on with the first point. We're also going to see this man was a moral upstanding man. And in Mark chapter 10, let's go to verse 19. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. You know, we can talk to lost people all day and they'll tell you, look, I've not murdered. I take care of my mama, help old ladies cross the street. I pay for my goods at the grocery store. They're moral. And as you're speaking to them, they're doing what this man does and doing what we did before we came to Christ, we justified ourselves by our righteous morality that we've defined as good enough. And it goes on. Then Jesus beholding him loved him. So when someone justifies themselves to us, when we're trying to witness to them, we don't give them a spiritual punch in the mouth. 
we love them. <laughs> we stick with them. We, we, we let them talk. We let them get out what they're saying. And we show some love. And it would be unloving to leave out that you need Jesus and sin is a problem in your life. But it would be equally unloving to just run over them and not allow them to play a part in the witnessing conversation. So Jesus loved them. And he says, and he said unto him, one thing thou lackest, he gives them something to chew on here. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and when we grieve, for he had a great possession. Jesus looked round about and said, saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? The disciples were astonished at his word. Jesus answered again, saith unto him, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because rich people can't be saved? No. Because he's pointing out, look, you've kept all these things, but you've offended in this one point, And that's where your faith and trust is. In. And that's why it doesn't matter if your faith and trust is in Buddha or money. It doesn't matter if it's in religious deeds or your wealth. The rich family lineage that you were born into, it doesn't matter what it is that you're trusting in or that lost person is trusting in. All of us, if we were going to go around the room this morning, all of us would have a different testimony, but the same testimony. It would be different because we all would have had something that we were trusting in for our salvation. Whether it's religious deeds, whether it was money, whatever it is. But how it would be the same is we all came to the same God on the same terms. Through repentance and faith and trust in the living God before Jesus Christ. And that's all Jesus is pointing out here. And it's not like you're going to go, you and I are just going to list everything on eBay or LSN and then all of a sudden we get it all sold and now okay now we're now we got it or no this man unless, unless you're Mark he said how much you sold almost 2,000 things before he had moved here that's a powerful testimony in itself he had them all organized and I wouldn't have been me My wife would have been upset at me if I tried to sell stuff that many things We've been all over the place but that's a lot of Things to sell before you move. Praise God. But what do you what do you think? After Mark checked off, well, 1900. Now I'm right with God. Now I'm right with God. Yeah, now I can. <laughs> you know, it's that's not what Jesus is saying. And it's not like Mark read this verse. He's like, oh wow, you know, now I no. What he's saying is if that's what's got you. If that's what's got you, then that's where your trust is in. You need to repent of that. It's better to get rid of it and get your eyes on the Savior. And it's different for everybody where their trust is in. This man finds out that it's easier for a camel, verse 25, to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. That's the spiritual kingdom. We talked about that on Thursday night. 
And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? I guess everybody was convicted. <laughs> and Jesus looked upon them, saith, with men, it is impossible, not with God. For with God, all things are possible. And Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, and persecution. In the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. We're not going to do a deep dive into this, but what I'm saying is, what do you think? Jesus is telling you to leave your wife? Just leave, just abandon your house. It's the same principle, it's the same point. If your wife, if your house has you, then you've got an idol. If your wife or your husband has you, then you've got an idol. I don't worship my wife. My wife doesn't worship me. We worship God. One spouse isn't saved. God's not saying leave that spouse. He's saying your possession is a treasure in heaven. It's eternal life. You've left what that was, and now you've got an eternal home in heaven. It's not saying... God's not saying get saved and forget that your brother or sister that's unsaved isn't alive. What he's saying is you've got something that they don't. They may have material possessions like you had, but now you went from that to eternal life and eternal. So try to get that message. To them. It's great to give them a sale on your stuff, but it's even better to tell them how they can have eternal life and have treasures in heaven. That's what we want to bring to our brothers and sisters, family, community. Doesn't know the Lord. But this person was very moral. To go back to verse number 17. Look at and, and get Romans 10 too. Get both of those and we'll look at it. Okay, where, where am I here? All right, Mark chapter 10, Romans chapter number 10. Look at verse 17. And Mark first, and when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? This guy is sincere. I mean, he had some advantages that were working in his favor because he was morally sincere. He's running. He's kneeling. He's very active. He's, he's doing a religious act of kneeling. He's very, very morally in tune to a creator God. I mean, it's Jesus. Look at Romans 10. I really believe this man in Mark 10 desired eternal life. Mark 10, 
it says in verse one, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. He desired it, but he didn't have it. And if we were to go around this town, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about buildings that meet, that teach a false gospel, that is works-based. If we would, if we were to go around after church this Sunday afternoon, talk to all those people, all those preachers, that believe that water baptism saves or you're going to be one of the 144,000 or not really you're just going to you don't have any chance of that but you got another chance of getting in paradise and all that and you know these groups that are going to ride around on their bicycles and tell you well you just got to do the best that you can and we would talk to all them they would concede to probably 80% of the stuff we tell them about Jesus but the one point of contention that would cause them to lose their eternal life is they just, they've got a desire. They're moral people. If you ran a business, you'd want to hire them. But the one point they wouldn't submit to would be the righteousness of God. And they'll just go about establishing their own righteousness. And it is so, so hard. So when people especially have been brought up in a false religion to come out of that false religion, I was reading the testimony about someone that was saved out of Mormonism. It's just a powerful testimony on how she recants the fact that when she grew the way she grew up, it was all she knew. And some things started happening in her life that caused her to get angry. At her father and angry at her so-called God. And it, it's a powerful testimony of how enslaving religion. And God helping us, going back to this idea that we talked about this, you know, serving God young and what we talked about with the youth here. We don't want our youth enslaved to religion. Now, that isn't an argument to just do this modern parenting and just let them do whatever they want. Well, you you want to be a boy or a girl. You want this for dinner or that for dinner. You want to do your chores or not do your chores. No, no, no I'm not going there. That's, that's tomfoolery. What I'm saying is we don't want them enslaved to religious acts that can't do anything for them. Yes, we want to bring them to church. Yes, we want them to have them involved in Sunday school. Yes, we want them involved in the music. Yes, we want to take them out and do public ministry. Yes, we want them at church every time the doors are open. We want all that. We want it all. But not at the expense of their soul. And so it's this balancing act of helping them understand, trust God in you. My, my uh, 
my faith in Christ isn't your faith in Christ, son. And what the church's beliefs are, young people, they're the church's beliefs, those that are in the body of Christ. What's your belief? They have to own it. Own it. They've got to own it. So let's not enslave them to you do this or else. Okay, well, that'll work till 12. <laughs> then, you know, once they start lifting weights and taking protein, and <laughs> they're going to realize, well, I can whip you, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> you do this or else. <laughs> I'm saying that to prove to, to try to prove further the point that we don't want them enslaved in religion. We want them to own a real relationship with the real Savior. I like what we, you and I did when we got saved. Um, what I also found to be interesting, let's look at Mark chapter 10 again. Where is it here? Well, Jesus said it. Oh, verse 21, uh, it says, then Jesus beholding him, loved him for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's the love of Jesus that I think some of us independent Baptists, conservative Bible believing Christians lose sometimes. And I don't know if it's because the modern church is going so far liberal and it's all about this lovey this lovey-dovey redefined love of God. And so we we turn the wheel so hard the other way that we lose the character that God is love. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's just us in the flesh. I don't know if it's, you know, the more you witness to people, the more you get frustrated because they just wear you out. I don't know what it is. But I know this. A lot of lost people would appreciate some love from some Christians. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I know that. I know a lot of people were patient with me when I was a bull in a china shop trying to justify my own righteousness and my own religion and all that. And they showed me some love. They didn't shy away from talking about the things that needed to be talked about. I think we would all agree that would be unloving. But they showed the other side of love, too. It's not, you're not a softy, guys. I'm not a softy if we show soft love, not just tough love. There's a place for tough love. And then there's a, a place also for just some compassionate care and love. Um, look at the question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse number 17. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? The desire, if you did a deep dive into this man's life, was on the efforts of his own righteousness. What must, what shall I do? But the Bible's very clear. Let's go to Ephesians 2. I know you know it, but let's look at it. For by grace are you saved. Ephesians chapter 2, 
verse 8, but for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When he te- when, when Jesus gives the commands, and he says, yep, I've kept them from a youth up. Can you sense the boasting? Jesus, it's almost like the good master set the trap. He put the bait out and he's allowing this man. He gives this man an opportunity to see for himself just how self-righteous he is. Because he doesn't say, yeah, but Lord, yeah, I know, Lord, I know all those commandments. But you know what? I'm so trusting in my riches that I just don't. He doesn't say that. He goes, yeah, I kept all them. (laughs) He boasts. He does what Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 tells us not to do. And Jesus is so brilliant in the way that he approaches this witnessing ex- uh, experience here with this man. And it's just like Jesus gave him an opportunity to just repent. Just no. He boasted in his morality and sad. We looked at Revelation 22 last week. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirsted come. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Look at the answer in verse number 18. <clears throat> and he said, go into the city to such a man and say unto him, the master saith. My time is at hand. Oops. Sorry. Wrong book of the Bible. Let me get where I'm supposed to be. Good mark. Mark chapter 10. Verse 18, and Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God, an indirect claim to the deity of Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can rightly claim the title. He is God, so he is good. Bible tells us that they've all gone out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. That's a great verse to witness to people for. Go over to Romans 17. Which chapter 17. Oh, I'm going to get my glasses fixed. I'm sorry. Romans chapter 7. <laughs> Thanks, Brother Mark. Romans chapter 7 and verse number 12. The Bible says, wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me. God forbid, but sin that it might appear sin worketh death in me by that which is good. That sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. 
For we know that the law is spiritual. But I am carnal, sold under sin. Holy law, holy commandment, just, good. But when God reveals that law, that rich man, it doesn't call him to see himself as a sinner. It calls it, he, he, he further justifies his own righteousness and he just won't submit to the righteousness of God. The law's demands are so great and so powerful that none of us could live up to it. Here's what he lacked. Close out on this. Romans 10, look at verse 21. What he lacked. And Mark, 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 I am sorry. Mark chapter number 10. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and saith unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. What he lacked from this verse we see is faith. He didn't put his faith and trust in what God told him to do. We have around this world, this lost and dying world, is we have lost people that just will not put their faith in the living God and the living Savior. We've got to do our best to get that message out to them. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.